going on? This is Ken Reynolds from the Seattle Dragons, and this is the XFL Show. This is the future. This is not the past. The new XFL will kick off in 2020. If you smell what the XFL is cooking. It's still football, but it's professional football reimagined. This is our moment, our story to tell. This is history begun. This is the XFL! Welcome, football fans. This is January 28, 2020. This is For the Love of Football. This is the XFL Show. I'm Alan. I'm Vince. And I'm Bryant. Training camp cuts have been made, and each team is now down to their 52 players making up their initial rosters. It's episode 108. Exciting. Fun. Different. And it's the last week of no XFL games, because next week is week one. As Jake would say, Vince, closer than ever, and... Uh, he's not here today, but it is the beginning of the last week of the preseason. It's just hard to believe that you know next time, uh, uh, you know, one week from today. Uh, of course, we'll have another show later this week, but one week from today, we'll be breaking down uh, games. It's game week next week, and that's something to really get excited about. Yes, we'll be breaking down games next week, and Bryant, this time in two weeks, we will be reacting to the first week of of the xfl we're there man we're almost at the finish line well alan i i I hate to kind of pat myself on the back but i feel like over this last two-year journey i've become a a better almost an expert in covering a football league that is about to happen i need to catch up on how to cover league once it's happening like i I still don't know what to do when football actually starts playing but we'll get there i have my uh football coverage for dummies book in front of me i can't wait for those that two week mark but next week we get to do some predictions as well so a lot still to happen before kickoff yeah you're more of an expert on startup business coverage but now you gotta (laughs) have to start you know talking about the actual game like me and vince love to do and i'm sure you'll catch up and you'll catch along and you'll have a lot of fun with it and today we're going to be doing a lot of the the more football-oriented talk, finally, with players uh, now official. 52-man rosters are are set. The final cuts were made, and now each team has their initial rosters. We're going to break them down today, and it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to go through each team's uh, roster, maybe speculate on what depth charts are going to look like and what the identity of each team might be now that we've gotten a taste of them at training camp and we see the personnel in a clearer picture It's going to be an interesting, interesting discussion. That's coming up in the hot read today. But we also are going to be discussing some other things going on in the league, including odds. Yes, the the, the regular season win totals are out. Vince, I can't wait to discuss this with you. Caesars put it out. We're going to have to talk about that. We also are going to hit uh, some of what... Bob Stoops was saying on the sidelines, and you might hear from him throughout the show. Thanks to the Dallas Renegades for sending us clips from Bob Stoops and Landry Jones talking to the media on the sideline after practice earlier this week. And a lot of of, uh, good stuff to talk about when it comes to the Renegades because they do have the most high-profile quarterback, Vince, but unfortunately he's banged up. That is a scenario we need to discuss. And 
Oh my, oh my. Bryant had some fun at a block party for the Wildcats. We're going to have to hear about as well. Yeah, Alan, we're going to have to talk about that because that was a lot of fun. I will say this, though, fans, uh, speaking personally from being at one of these stadiums, two of them already, Alan, we've already kind of – I've checked two off the list. I don't know how many you've checked. Uh, get your tickets if you haven't already. This is going to be one of the most amazing things uh, to be a part of. If you are if you have a chance to be a part of an opening weekend in D.C., New York, uh, Houston, or Seattle, do it. Go to get your tickets, xfl.com slash tickets, or maybe go to the rules page like Vince likes to do, and then find your way to the tickets <laughs> page. Uh, that's the best way to get your tickets, I guess. Uh, but go and, and, and get your tickets because all – I mean, seats are going to sell. We've already talked about Seattle. I know LA is doing really well. Uh, it's going to be a good uh, crisp time. Good crisp football <laughs> Yes, a good crisp experience in those seats. <laughs> That's what it's all about: getting your your tickets, getting there for week one. You know, like we've said before on the show, being one of the first fans of a team, it's kind of you know an honor. You that it's very rare, uh, an exciting thing to do if you're a big football fan to call yourself the first fan of a team. I mean, who who could say that? in their lifetime so that's the chance and also yeah the chance to see actual football being played even though the super bowl coming up is going to end that nfl season vince football is not about to end and it's a different kind of feeling here at the end of january we're usually you know we're getting on a on a different kind of road at this time of year but we're about to we're about to be on the road through a whole new another a new football season yeah, yeah. Usually, you know, this week all you hear from people is like, "Oh my God, I can't believe there's only one more football game left of the of the year." And I tell them, "Well, you know, after this one game this Sunday, there's 43 more football games to be excited about, and I, I'm excited for each and every one of them." Absolutely. And if you're hyped, if you're excited, let us hear from you at XFL Show on Twitter and uh, ask us any questions. Uh, shoot us any thoughts, any remarks. If you think uh, the things we're saying on the show are really, really stupid and you want to challenge us, bring it on. That's what it's all about. Discussion argument but in a very very safe space that's what this is we respect each other we never name call unless you say something really dumb and then it's fair game because i have a feeling a lot of that is going to need to happen when the games begin and we get even more heated bryant that's about to happen you know when the season starts it's on on this podcast and i'm calling you out for all the dumb things you're about to say well i I thought we were both wildcats fans i don't understand why you would do such a thing I mean, I can understand the, the animosity between us and Vince and us and perhaps Jake once he decides to pick his freaking team that we've been waiting so long for. Oh, that's coming but up. You Jake, and me. Says, Jake says he is going to be picking a team. But unfortunately, Brian, I, I'm going to you know probably be rooting for the Wildcats, but you know not as openly as you because I am, you know, as an official podcast host for the league, I'm going to try to, you know, refrain from being too biased. Unlike you where you are just unabashedly a big Winston Moss honk. But I think most of that comes out of fear from what I heard with uh, the interview that we're going to put up on YouTube, exclusive interview with another one with you and Winston Moss at the block party. Didn't you see the man at in Houston? He's intimidating. He looks at you and you get intimidated. Like, I mean, I had no choice. Yeah, I don't, bl- I don't blame you. I don't blame you. When but, he uh, says that Jonathan Hayes holds, guess what, guess what Jonathan Hayes does? He holds. That's well, that's how it works. I don't, I don't know. Jonathan Hayes is pretty big too. I wouldn't want to say. I yes, want to say that's pretty big. 
face either. <laughs> uh, let's let's get into it here, though. We got some little news and notes to get into before we get into those those winning totals. Vince, how about uh, Jim Zorn tabbing Brandon Silvers as the starter in Seattle? Per the Seattle Times, uh, Jim Zorn said, quote, He's probably been more effective throwing the ball. He doesn't move as well as BJ Daniels, but his concern is to do what he does well. BJ's coming on, and we have high expectations for him, but we can only play one at a time, so it will be Brandon Silver's week one for the Seattle Dragons whenever they go to D.C., Vince. Yeah, and yeah, you can't argue with that logic there. Uh, you know, he's, He said a lot in that sentence without saying a, uh, very much in, in that, you know, Effect better of at effectively throwing the ball. That that that's what the quarterback position is all about, as far as I'm concerned. Um. So and and Jim Zorn, he knows quarterbacks. So I, I I'm you, you got to be behind his decision. I guess I should say. And you know, BJ Daniels, that's a hell of a backup too. You can't really complain too much about that. No, I, that's a good situation they have in Seattle. I like it, but I've been saying the whole time, Bryant, it was Silvers the whole way through. He ends up winning it. You were you were saying it was more up in the air, but it is set in stone. Zorn has spoken. Uh, he has, Alan, and I, I just kind of question only the simple fact that, like, was – was there even a competition? I guess that's what we know that Brandon Silvers was the assigned quarterback. Uh, I feel like this is going to be the trend that we're going to see probably with, I would see at least six of the teams. Uh, the only the only exception would be L.A. because uh, Luis Perez isn't on the roster and um, Landry Jones because he's on the injured list. So uh, this might be the first of the six I think we're going to see pretty much uh, are going to start based on those assigned QBs. Yeah, I think we're going to see all the assigned QBs at least week one, but over the course of a season, who knows? And that's really in a 10 or 10 week season, Vince. I mean, the impact of injuries are going to be compounded, more severe, more consequential, more important to have your backups ready in a 10 week season. Yeah, there's going to be a fine line between making the playoffs and, and being on the outside looking in. And we're, and you see that reflected in these win totals that we're going to be talking about yes. here. Uh, and, and so, yeah, he's at, you miss a quarterback for two games. That's a quarter of your season. That That's massive. Yeah, it is. So, you know, you have to have backups who are capable. Brandon Silvers beats out B.J. Daniels. But I, I got to tell you, if something happens up in Seattle or if they make some kind of change, I think they're equipped. We watch them play, too. So I, that's a good situation to have, I think, for the Seattle Dragons. Two capable quarterbacks with really unique skill sets, too, especially when you consider Jim Zorn was a running quarterback. So I'm sure he's kind of partial to BJ Daniels. If he shows that he could throw the ball a little bit better in practice, we'll see as the season goes on, but there you go. Some info coming up from the great Northwest. And uh, we will discuss them in a little bit with their entire roster. When we break them all down, remember this is a Tuesday morning. If you're listening to the show, right when it came out, uh, we're doing double doses every single week. Now, Tuesday mornings, Thursday nights, so make sure you keep it locked to the feed. Subscribe on any podcast app. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you can, if you will. Five stars so more people get aware, get made aware of the XFL as a league throughout the season whenever they're searching podcasts. And they can keep up and follow along. We can all talk football together over the course of the entire season. That's Tuesday mornings and Thursday nights, plus bonus minisodes that we are definitely planning on doing throughout the year. So 
We're, things are picking up. It's getting hot and heavy in the studio, and uh, it's going to get louder. It's going to get more fun, and here we are, the final week of preseason, and I know it's the final week because we're finally starting to see some promos on TV, Bryant. Fox ran theirs, <laughs> and now finally ESPN ran one, and it was fire. Yeah, it, it, we, we talked about this. We've been saying that this was going to happen. The exposure the XFL is going to be getting with these TV partners. And ESPN picked a great time to do it because during the Pro Bowl, a uh, great hype video, getting everybody set and ready. Uh, I don't recall. Yeah, there, I believe the Sunday evening game is on uh, ESPN uh, that first week. So uh, I'm super, I've been super hyped. I know more and more people are going to get hyped based on these videos. Gotta love it. I, I mean, I was with uh, the future in-laws and it came on the TV, and they honestly didn't even realize. They knew that I was doing an official podcast for the XFL, but they didn't realize this thing's going to be on ABC, Fox, ESPN. And when future mother-in-law saw that, her jaw was on the floor, Vince. She, did, she didn't realize that this is the real deal. You know, the message is going to get uh, put out loud and clear. There, there's no doubt in my mind, I think that, you know, this league and the broadcasts with the networks that they're on and the product that they plan to put out is really set up for success, specifically in these first few weeks that are going to be so critical. And we'll see what happens if they can carry that success uh, that we think that they're going to have through the rest of the season. Well, do you feel like the buildup is there? Like that's the, that's the interesting part, right? Because I've, you'll hear about it because we, we ended up talking to, uh, HBK Heather Brooks Carrots, my best friend, um, on the show later with our good Chris Crisp interview. But I talked to her about how like we started started from the bottom, and guess now we're what? Here. Now we're here, <laughs> and where here is 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 crazy. How many people are so interested and so hyped for this? I just wonder if that hype translates to people who still don't know about the league. Like, are there people out there who actually are going to get hyped in the next two weeks? And I think we kind of talked about that last week. I still think there are a few out there to be able, to be had. But like I said, the XFL is kind of where they are uh, no matter what TV partner, at least for that first week. Maybe into week two and week three, you're going to start gaining some more momentum. We might actually see ratings go up as the season goes on. Yeah, the the promos are real. It's really going to be on TV. That's right, future mother-in-law. ESPN, Fox, yeah, for real. And what about these now, the win totals? This is, oh, this is interesting. This is really good because not only are the are the not only are the win totals out from Caesar's Palace and it might change but I think they are drastic in and how much credit and hype Caesar's at least is put behind the Tampa Bay Vipers seven and a half win total a full game and a half more than the next teams the Houston Roughnecks and Dallas Renegades Vince that's a lot of 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 trust they're putting in Tressman. Well, that's that's true. You know, I think uh, you know with so much uncertainty uh, about you know these teams that we none of them. They, I mean, they haven't even played a real game together yet. Uh, so it's it's extremely difficult to predict. Um, and so you got to think that the books are going to be focused on you know who the uh, consumer is going to be betting on. Uh, and you got to think that, you know, the average person that they want betting on this kind of stuff is going to be looking at quarterbacks and they're going to be looking at head coaches to make their decisions on 
who they're uh, who they're going to be betting on. You got to think that, like you said, Tressman and Aaron Murray. That that's you know that's a uh, a pretty good combination. You you got to think so that's going to draw a lot of interest. And then we've also talked about on this program, uh, and especially from hearing some of the reports that you guys were saying last week uh, down at the uh, at the training camp that this this Western Conference w- with Dallas and Houston and L.A. Uh, that's that's a, uh, a a gauntlet there that these uh, teams are going to have to fight through. So it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, maybe a softer schedule in the East for Tampa Bay if they could take advantage of that. And I'm thinking that's kind of the process that I could see leading to them having certainly having the highest win total. Now, whether it should be a whole game and a half uh, uh, above the other teams, you know, that's another story. But I think that was the the thought process going into to making that number. It's not even just a game and a half. You can't even get the normal like one, you know, minus one ten, minus one fifteen. It's minus one twenty five at seven and a half, which really means, you, you know, they're 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 thinking eight eight and a half. Uh, in comparison, the AAF, the Arizona Hotshots were the highest rated team, and they had a six point five to start the season. I think it has to do with Florida. They saw Orlando. I think they're skewing it. People <laughs> are betting Tampa Bay, saying the Florida teams are going to do good, and that's why Tampa Bay so skewed. If it but, is, it's like the, uh, or they're getting the Orlando Apollos rub here. Is that what's happening? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. I think Vince brings up that we're going to break down the rosters, and I think you do see on paper the Vipers have some things that make make them stand out, and of course Mark Tressman, who I have, you know said a lot of things on this show about in, in terms of the experience and the trust I have in him in ter- to go out and win in the Eastern Conference in the XFL. I really do like Tampa Bay, but I got to say I'm shocked that they were picked uh, as the team with the most wins in the entire league, let alone the East, Vince, and uh, that that stands out. They, they know. I, don't, I guess you're saying though a lot of the – what pe- people might be betting on might have influenced this. They expect well, well that's to bet on them. you know when they when they set these numbers, you know they, they, these numbers are designed to get uh, a certain Even. type of person to b- bet a lot of money on these uh, outcomes, and the number is also designed to deter or limit a certain type of person to bet on these outcomes. They want the public betting as much money as they possibly can, and they want to keep the sharps away as much as they can. And so that's why, you know, where they're, you know, constructing these numbers. They want to entice people. You know, you guys, you guys just made a great argument talking about how, uh, you know, you're you're surprised that maybe Tampa Bay uh, was rated that high, and look at you're looking at seven and a half wins. That's saying that they, oh, they could go seven and seven and three, and and you could win on the under. And they're taking away the juice at minus only minus one hundred five. Uh, that seems you're probably saying that's a pretty good bet, and you're going to go out there and bet that. Well, there, you know, maybe that's exactly what they want you to do. Oh, uh, it's, 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 it's going it almost blood. It's a brand new league. It's so it, 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 uh, that's. Enticing, and, and and now this is just one one book's opinion, and, and yeah. this is Caesar Caesar's Palace, you, who you could you know probably classify uh, not necessarily the squarest book, but not necessarily considered one of the sharpest either. Uh, I'm very interested to see uh, what Ed Sammons has prepared over at the Westgate Superbook when uh, if he releases any of these uh, win season uh, regular season win total numbers. Uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how this varies for, from book to book. I'm even fascinated to see what the opening lines are uh, 
you know, coming out for week one and where they where they stand on on this stuff going from book to book. Eventually, it's all going to even out to be about the same. Um, but you know, <laughs> Jake the, the starting numbers are fascinating. <laughs> Jake's like, what's so five? funny? <laughs> no, I'd say Jake will love it because he just wants to go with the five. Yeah, for everyone, well, five and five the, for everyone. The parody is what the league is aiming for. You know, you want all the teams to be in it, and the way the season's designed in terms of the scheduling, it, it's it's the end of the year is going to be you know, full of opportunity for teams that maybe even stumble out of the gates. So uh, it's, I, you're right, Vince, I think going to even out. And uh, I would be actually kind of shocked if a team gets over seven wins this season. I, I'll say that. We're not making our official predictions quite yet, but we're getting there. And I think I could throw one out there. Uh, uh, an eight-win team in year one, would I would be very surprised um, just because I think it will be pretty even out there. But, you know, the books are kind of getting you to look at Tampa Bay a little bit. Exciting, exciting stuff. That really is a sign also that things are real. Preseason's just about over, baby. Uh, last bit of Dinkin and Duncan to do here. Uh, according to the Washington Post, Jake Russell reporting the D.C. defenders uh, and their defensive coordinator, Jeff Fitzgerald, will be parting ways. Jeff Fitzgerald resigned uh, to be closer to family. So now passing game coordinator and secondary coach, Louis Siafi will be taken over as the DC in DC Vince and hate to see that for the defenders losing their coordinator right before the season, but such is life in the game of football. Yeah, that's, that's, that's just the way this business goes sometimes. Um, and yeah, yeah, we, other, other teams have lost coaches. Uh, they've lost players, but you know, it, this is, it's starting to get crunch time. Here And we've talked about how real this is getting and it not a good time to lose somebody on your staff. I will say, though, compared to what we see, saw last year with the AAF and compared to what we see in the NFL with players and, and coaching staff changes right before the season uh, and, and injuries, throw that in there, too. Just, you know, shakeups right before you're about to kick off. Uh, pretty, pretty clean. In that regard, except for this instance, Bryant, going into into the season, we do have a full week before kickoff or a little over a week before kickoff. But uh, this was a bad one to lose your defensive coordinator. No way to I, I would not say that's a good thing whatsoever, although I'm sure Louis Siafi could step in and and do well for Pep Hamilton. But uh, across the league, we didn't see a whole lot of this. And I think overall, it's a pretty good thing. Yeah, the the stability is what Oliver like had always talked about. They want some co- some, <clears throat> some excuse me some stability there uh, with all the teams. Uh, I believe St. Louis lost their offensive, offensive coordinator, coordinator though. Yeah, but yeah, they replaced so- them with Chuck Long, which a lot of people are really excited about. Uh, Battlehawks fans are, are super hyped about, and then you throw in kind of the Iowa connection he already has with his head coach Jonathan Hayes. And then Bob Stoops also just across the league. I mean, you got this fraternity in there, a lot of familiarity. And I think that's a good thing for St. Louis. We talked a little bit about that last week. But, you know, overall, these coaching staffs are pretty solid. I know you've been, you, you're really interacting with the LA coaching staff a whole lot. And that is a tight knit group. And then you saw, we saw how Kevin Gilbride's staff, I mean, what Chris Dishman was doing there with the defensive backs. I mean, we've seen a lot. I've, talked to and we saw in Houston a lot of these coaches are I'd say some of them even more hype than the players to get out there in week one yeah and really the coaches uh, themselves are as hyped as some of the players that was at the LA block party uh, this past weekend uh, there was uh, 
I want to say a few thousand fans there. I mean, it was incredible. We got to walk on the field. Uh, I got to have some great conversations with a lot of players and, and coaches getting some insights there. Uh, so everything is, is moving in the right direction. Yeah. We're losing coaches here and there, but really, uh, at least in terms of the Wildcats and what I'm seeing when I'm in Houston and all this is, is that everybody's kind of ready for the season to begin. It's been a long, long runway. Uh, and, and the, and the block party was just part of that excitement that, that everybody's bringing to this team that the players yeah, how, were hyped. Like I said, the coach was hyped. that atmosphere. How was it? You were walking around the field, <laughs> talking to everybody. What was that like? Yeah, it was just, you know, talking to fans and, and, and everyone seeing everybody excited, uh, actually, you know, knowing why they, while they're there, taking the time out on a Sunday, excuse me, on a Saturday afternoon, uh, right in the middle of the day. So it's not like you could really plan something in the morning and then do this or plan something at night, you know, after you've done this, because it was right in the middle of the afternoon and people took the time to to really go out of their way and, and enjoy their time. And I was having, a, <laughs> this is insane, but I don't know how this happened, Alan. You would have enjoyed this. I was sitting there uh, interviewing Coach Moss and there was a, a, a man and his son standing off to the side. So I ended the conversation with Coach Moss because I didn't want to keep him from meeting Coach Moss. Well, Coach Moss walks away and, and the man and his son come up to me and they said, are you Brian from the XFL show? And I was like, uh, yeah. He's like, oh, my God, I listen to you every single day. I was like, what is going on right now? I don't even understand. I couldn't even comprehend. Uh, but believe it or not, that man came all the way down from Fresno. You're going to go on to this official XFL podcast and lie to my face. <laughs> not like there are plenty of witnesses to this to what happened i if, if you're listening to this show tweet the picture because i know you have it of you and us uh at xfl show on twitter because i know you took it uh, it was it was a great moment he says he listens to us on his long walks every sunday i told him he's gonna have to take another long walk because we're going to two shows now every week uh <laughs> But yeah, it, it was just well, fun. Awesome. It was fun to be a part of it, even that little spot, because the players were doing this the entire time. I got to do it once, and it was pretty exciting. Definitely uh, encourage you to go to things like the block parties. They're happening all across the league. Teams are having their get-togethers with fans, and uh, that sounds like a really good time. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because, I mean, a lot of people go to those events, Brian. They don't really know any of the players or the coaches, but they actually get to know them, like meet them and learn about them. It's going to make them root even harder for their team come kickoff it really is and, and the stage was feet away from these fans and and everybody just kind of every player got introduced um there was no security holding people back there wasn't you know any like long lines to meet anyone everybody was just wandering freely shaking hands taking pictures it really was a great time sweet awesome that la wildcats block party sounded like a good time and i know that because uh i saw you on social media but also you gave us some interviews to play we have the good crisp interview coming up short one with heather brooks carrots the la wildcats president and then also if you go to the xfl youtube channel and go to our playlist this is the xfl show uh, we will have two exclusive interviews bryant did while he was at the block party with coach winston moss and boogie roberts yeah, Boogie Roberts was really excited, too. I think he kind of knew who we were. So go check that out on the official XFL YouTube at youtube.com slash XFL. All right. that is that going to be your new bit now on the show? You're just going to say people know who we are? People know who I am? Is that your new well, thing? Well, I mean, if Jake gets to say we're closer than ever, you let Vince say they're listening. You never let me have anything. I got to figure out something to say. <laughs> but really, you know, know but really, you just never know. Because if you listen to this X, the XFL show, you'll realize that anything could happen in the XFL. This is true. This is true. Especially when Bob Stoops is on the sideline talking to the media 
given all sorts of good details about the Dallas Renegades, and we're going to get into it right now. It's time for this week's Cover 2. going to be exciting and fun, different. Exciting, fun, and different. That's what it's like when you're raising hell for the Dallas Renegades. Bob Stoops took a moment to talk to the media, Vince, on the sideline during first practice on Monday and gave some interesting information regarding his quarterback, Landry Jones. Landry Jones also was available to the media. And courtesy of the Renegades, we're going to play you a couple clips from what they said, give you a, a little insight into what might be going down at the quarterback position for the Renegades come week one. He's getting better. He's He threw uh, some drills yesterday and uh, moving a little bit better every day. So, uh, you know, we're optimistic. We'll see. I, I couldn't tell you a timetable, but, you know, he's... Uh, you know he's progressing really well right now that's what i'm shooting for mm-hmm. yeah shooting for week one and then i think worst case scenario week two mm-hmm. there it is worst case scenario out of lantry jones's mouth there vince week two and i think that would uh, be big because any more than that i would think would be detrimental to the dallas renegades not having him out there yeah you know when this news first came out uh it seemed like it was going to be much worse than that uh so you know, if this guy can can you know show up and, and play and be effective in week one, or even if it was week two, I think that's a huge win, uh, not just for uh, the Dallas Renegades, but for the XFL as a whole. Uh, you know, this was the first guy. This guy was the one in all of these players uh, that uh, that are in this league on these fifty-two man rosters. So this is absolutely huge. Uh, this is, uh, I think. Uh, out of week one, and we're going to be talking about it next week. I feel like a lot of eyeballs are going to be on this Dallas Renegades team uh, because of uh, Bob Stoops, who still can't believe he's in the league, as well as Landry Jones, a guy who's who's started uh, several games in the NFL. Yeah, and Philip Nelson has a huge load to carry until Landry Jones is back in the lineup. Eric Dungey was brought in there, uh, Bryant, but he got a little bit banged up when he first got with Dallas there in Houston during training camp and missed some practice time. So really Philip Nelson is their only kind of conditioned quarterback. Who's going to be out there in week one. Eric Dungey's going to back him up until Andrew Jones is ready to go. But a lot on Philip Nelson's plate starting the season off for the Dallas Renegades. Uh, next man up. It, it's that it has to be that mentality, especially in the XFL. You can't, uh, you know, assume that the player that you wanted to play is going to be able to play, and that's just the game of football. So Philip Nelson is a capable um, quarterback, I believe. He, uh, San Diego Fleet, if I'm not mistaken, um, and, and so we've seen him compete in the uh, spring before. So he, he he's he's used to this type of environment. I expect him to do well enough. <laughs> What are you laughing at? He, he, he's good at playing in the first quarter of the, of the year. <laughs> That's what you're that saying. wasn't him. That was Mike Berkovicki that got his head knocked off. Come on now, Vince. Yeah, that was the no, you're AAF. <laughs> Get it going. Walk through. All right, so yeah, Bob Stoops hurrying us along here, Vince. Also, uh, Lance Dunbar, Bob Stoops said, was a little bit banged up to finish off training camp, but says he should be good to go and is expecting big things from the running back for the Renegades as well. And, man, the Renegades obviously are going to get a lot of attention, but they have had some hurdles to jump over before the season even starts. I am interested to see how they respond. They looked pretty good. Uh, you know, when we saw them in their scrimmage, but 
not having your quarterback out there week one, I, I, I don't know. They have that new field though, Vince. It's gonna, it's gonna be that converted baseball park into a football stadium, and it's gonna be, I think, a rowdy atmosphere. So, week one at home without Landry Jones is probably a good thing. You got to think about that as well. Yeah, well, a home or away, I'm not quite sure how much these, uh, you know, home fields are really going to affect things. I think we really oh, got to get some more data. We got to get some more data points I, during I, the season. I agree, <laughs> but I mean, I, I'm going to tell you, at least for St. Louis and Seattle, I expect very co- good, crisp home field advantages there. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know if that's. I'm not sure if I agree with that. But we'll, what, uh, what are you going to so Vince? Next week when we do our big like season preview show where we're going to predict the season, are you going to say I can't make predictions because I have to wait until the middle of the season to get more data? <laughs> that's not what I'm. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just saying that in my power rankings, you know, if I'm not making a large point adjustments for home and away at this time. Okay, well that makes sense. Uh, you know, to each his own. I I think for some teams it will matter, and some it won't. Just like it does across, I think any sport. Uh, but being at least having home cooking without your quarterback is always a good thing. I don't care if it's the first week in a league's existence or, you know, a big rivalry game in, in college football. It's, it's That's a good thing, I think, for Bob Stoops is Dallas Renegades. The fact that they are home in week one and they will be welcoming the St. Louis Battlehawks. But let's move on to cut day or cut weekend or whatever you want to call it we got our 52 man rosters and we're going to break those down in just a little bit but real quick the standout cuts and additions that we've noticed from across the league i mean i have a handful here and if if, feel free to throw any more out if you guys know of any or thought of any but uh i mean obviously the big one literally that stands out sean oakman back on the la wildcats roster bryant i mean that is uh uh just a, a, a very Shocker? very surprising uh, yeah Interesting. yeah i mean i'm speechless basically <laughs> exciting speechless fun because different a player that was so yes exciting fun and different because we <laughs> were be exciting and fun different honestly we were all hyped to see such a mammoth human being playing for the la wildcats but then he got cut and it was apparently for some sort of issue and he wasn't fitting in i guess it is kind of what the team alluded to whenever they cut him, but now he's back reconciled all about second chances, Vince. But what do you make of this? Uh, I, you know, I'm not in, in that locker room. I don't know what the uh, circumstances were exactly why he was cut the first time. We know he's got a, uh, uh, a a somewhat troubled past. Uh, so it's it's very difficult to comment as to what was going on in that locker room. Obviously, some uh, you know he's made amends with the organization and the league, um, but it, you know it's I, I'm I'm just very surprised to see something like that this early in the XFL. Yeah, Brian, you were there at the block party. You you I'm sure didn't get you know you weren't prying, but. Could you at least gauge the atmosphere? Sean Oakman was there. Was he getting along with everybody? What was that like? It was it awkward. It was not awkward. It was all smiles. It was, he was dancing. I did have a, a moment to have a little side conversation with him, just kind of asking him how excited he was to be back. And the excitement's there. The skill levels there. Uh, I talked to Coach Moss. Moss was excited to have him. The way he introduced them. 
you know, things like this just just kind of happened. It was a shocker when it when he got cut. It was a shocker when uh, he came back. Um, but sometimes it's just a phone call and, and things can be amended. Maybe he just went back home and read whatever the Wildcat way meant and came back and passed the test. I mean, it could be as simple as something like that. So either way, I think the Wildcats are happy to have him um, back. It was just a very uh, interesting circumstances that led to his cut and his and his return, I guess, to the Wildcats. Yeah, I'm sure they're happy to have him back. You know who's not happy? June Jones and everyone on the Houston Roughnecks because now they do have to plan on stopping Sean Oakman from getting to Philip Walker or Connor Cook in week one and just makes that matchup even more exciting. Uh, I'm, I am I got to say I'm, I'm pumped that he's back in the league, even more pumped that he's back with the Wildcats, and uh, we get to talk about Sean Oakman throughout the season. Hopefully he stays on the roster. Uh, other interesting standout cuts and additions. Uh, Raheem Moore, Vince, the safety, got cut from D.C. A player with that kind of background. It kind of, I mean, you know, he did fall out of fall out in the NFL, but you expected a guy like that with all that history to be able to make it onto an XFL roster, and just didn't didn't make the D.C. Uh, final final roster. Interesting. I, yeah, a guy with a high pedigree for sure, Alan. Uh, I, I'm pretty surprised by it myself uh but at the same time you know you know that's what the training camp was for was to find out you know who still got it and who doesn't and who wants it uh and that's what we we saw here in these cuts specifically with Raheem Moore yeah and oh here Brian you sent me this one earlier too Jordan Westerkamp the DC defender receiver got cut we saw him take a wallop and score a big TD he looked pretty good in the scrimmage we saw him playing in but did not make the final roster either for the defenders uh, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say maybe he wasn't fast enough for the D.C. defenders. <laughs> yeah, Pep Hamilton needs him fast. <laughs> You're right. He was tough. Definitely a tough receiver, but yeah. And then another one, uh, throw this one out there, Seattle signs Garrett Hartley. We kind of alluded to that last week. Garrett Hartley was saying, look out, XFL, here I come. But in doing that, they cut Cole Tracy, who was, I mean, a great college football kicker for LSU. Um, and is now out there for another team to pick up if they are still looking for kickers. But Seattle went with the former Saint instead of the former LSU Tiger, Vince. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, certainly Garrett Hartley, a, a guy, you know, who's done it at the highest level. Uh, but Cole Tracy, I had a lot of high hopes for this kid, uh, and I was kind of surprised to see this. I mean, if you look at Seattle's roster, uh, Cole Tracy, you know, was probably one of the top five most famous players on that on that whole roster, specifically down here in the Southeast. Uh, so I, 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 I guess they won out in the end, but still, you know, they let go of a good guy. We got any others? Well, I was going to say, Alan, you're talking kickers, and was there any long snappers, Alan, that you were really curious about? Just before I throw the next name, I'm going to throw out. You're good on the um, long snappers. No, all the long snappers I thought would make their team did. So that's really solid. Okay. I'm excited good, for that. I will say that the shocker that I was not expecting and that ended up happening was uh, St. Louis's uh, second round pick in that skill level draft. That's Brogan Roback. Everybody expected him to battle for that starting position, and he didn't even make the uh, the fifty two man roster, so he's out in St. Louis. Yeah, I uh, gotta say I'm not surprised by that, considering that they signed Nick Fitzgerald last week, right, Vince? I mean, when he got a guy like that who was just I. I mean, one of the better SEC quarterbacks for a while. Uh, there, someone had to go in St. Louis. Yeah. They had four quarterbacks. Yeah, and yeah, Fitzgerald. He had one tough runner 
that guy is, um, you know, doing it at the at the highest level in 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 the collegiate game, and you know, not not that bad of a thrower either. Uh, you know, not uh, obviously not quite um, good enough to make the NFL at this time, but this guy, believe me when I say this, has a, a ton of potential, an excellent competitor, and I expect him to you know to give it his all. Yeah, and now you got a bulldog. You got Jordan Tamu, the rebel. Taylor Heineke, who's got NFL experience as well. I mean, that's a solid quarterback room, even still there with the St. Louis Battlehawks. And uh, we'll break down their roster here in just a minute. But real quick, let's take it to Brian and his chat with his good buddy, Heather Brooks Carrots. You talked to her, <clears throat> the president of the Wildcats. Best friend, sorry, uh, at, the, at the block party. So uh, set us up here. Brian, what are you guys going to get into? Uh, you know, it was a short conversation because things were moving pretty quickly. So the quality is not great because there's a lot of music and a lot of noise going on in the back. So bear with us on that. But really, I just wanted to talk to Heather because, you know, back in the summer of 2019, I met Heather at across the street from where we were from Dignity Health Sports Park. We met across the street at a Buffalo Wild Wings. And I really just wanted to talk to her about where we were to where we are and, and how awesome it's been and how this is going to keep progressing as the season continues. Awesome. Let's go to it. It's this week's good crisp interview with LA Wildcats president Heather Brooks Carrots. Good crisp football. All right, football fans, I'm here with Heather Brooks Carrots, uh, president of the LA Wildcats. Heather, we talked earlier about how seven months ago we were across the street at Buffalo Wild Wings. There's a few people here. How, how does it feel to have it turned into this? Well, let me just tell you, that's what best friends are all about. Brian, you were there from the beginning. <laughs> there was 10, 15 of us sitting around a table, and now we are at our new home, Dignity Health Sports Park. We are here with our team, and just seeing hundreds of fans out here. The energy has shifted. We are so psyched for February 16th. This team has been on the road for ever. I mean, they're finally back in L.A. It's great to have the team back in L.A. to represent the city. I'm sure we can expect them to be all around town uh, leading up to the season. Oh, yeah. We are all about L.A. and all about Carson. Uh, We're so psyched to have the players here. We'll be practicing at Long Beach City College. Stay tuned for uh, information on open practices. We want to have our fans there when we can and um, get ready for February 16th because that day when we step on the field here, I promise you that that game day experience is going to include all kinds of opportunities opportunities for fans to be close to the action. I saw you down in Houston. I was down there as a podcaster. You're down there as the president. Uh, How does it feel to be around all the other presidents, all the other teams? Because that was a full-on work. I mean, there was tons of people there working to make this happen. It was amazing to my eyes. How did it feel to be down there and actually get with all the other presidents and make this a success? I mean, it's amazing how this has all come together. I mean, it's been done with such thoughtfulness to make sure that the foundation is being built the right way. But it was truly an army of people down there. You know, you don't really know what happens behind the scenes to build a league from the ground up. And we've got an amazing team, not just in here in L.A., but across the country. Uh, You do have a little bit of extra runway with the week two start. But really, how much comfort can that really bring? Because we're right around the corner, two weeks to kick off, uh, three weeks to the home opener. What can fans expect when they arrive here at Dignity Health Sports Park? for a Wildcats game on February 16th. Yeah, so first off, fandom is earned, right? And it's something that takes time to build, and we're building it the right way. So everyone will be there on February 16th, so you can be there from day one. 
Um, but it's going to be awesome. We're announcing a bunch of game day initiatives this coming week, so stay tuned. Uh, we've already talked about our parking. is going to be $20 as well to park and tailgate, which in L.A. is super affordable, which aligns with our affordable ticket prices. Uh, but in addition to that, we're going to have a great fan festival, the biggest party you've ever seen before a football game. It is going to be here, so do not miss it. Uh, there'll be a Cub Zone for the little ones, which really works for me and my two little four-year-olds. <laughs> well, they, a lot of discussion. We talked to Jeffrey Pollock, and he said fans want to come to a football game, not just to watch a football game. So I'm sure those initiatives are going to be geared towards fans so, they, so that they can come here and not just have a football game, but actually have a whole day's worth of an experience. Yeah, I mean, whether you're 8 or 80, I promise you there's going to be something for you here. It's going to be fun. Oh, that was great quality. Good, crisp quality there at the block party. Brian, you sounded fine. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And thank you to my best friend, uh, Heather Brooks Care. It's always a pleasure talking to her. I've I've had, Alan, you saw how, how happy she is and how excited she looks when, when whenever we're around football. She saw her in Houston. So it's always good to catch up with her and, and just ask her a few questions and pick her brain on how things are moving along uh, for the Wildcats. And, and I think you can take that same strategy i know we talked to her a lot and we talked a lot about the wildcats but it's just how all the teams are kind of operating in terms of that presidential mentality right there all the presidents are working together they're not like the coaches where they're trying to beat each other the presidents are working with each other to make this a huge success all right let's talk about that roster in la and maybe we'll hit them up first it's time talk 52 man rosters they are finalized in this week's hot read Okay, starting with the L.A. Wildcats, Vince. If you're looking at their roster here, 52-man Winston Moss's crew will be going with Jalen McClendon, Chad Knoff, and Josh Johnson as their three quarterbacks. No Luis Perez. Obviously, that's the first thing that stands out, the fact that their assigned quarterback is not there. The other assigned guy they got, Josh Johnson, will be the head man. What do you think of that QB room in L.A.? Uh, I, I'm. It's gonna be interesting to see what what Josh Johnson has, you know, has uh, has left here uh, to see what he can do. Um, I, I guess you would think he'd be the starter at this point, but it, it's. I guess Brian will they'll tell us for sure. Um, but <laughs> I, I don't. Not the not the strongest of rooms, I would say, if comparing to all the other rosters. I I think. I think you're, you're you're underestimating the the powers of Josh Johnson. He's a highly coveted QB who I think is going to stand out. And then what Jalen McClendon was showing off down there at Houston, Brian, this is maybe the most underestimated QB room then. I really think so. I mean, you think about what L.A. did with their QBs, right? They ended up getting two assigned quarterbacks and then trading one away. I mean, and, and really, I think they traded Luis Perez away for a third stringer because I felt like uh, – Jalen McClendon is is solidified as that backup, maybe even the starter. I, I, I didn't get any insight on who exactly will be starting games. I assume it will be Josh Johnson. But I think that room is a lot more solid than you think of. Uh, maybe not in namesake, but in quarterback play, from what we saw, Alan, uh, I think Jalen McClendon can bring it. Yeah, and now, really, if you're looking at the identity of this team on their 52-man roster, you have to start with two position groups, and that is – the LA Wildcats offensive line which is gigantic anchored by Storm Norton and, and they've got Patrick Vahe I mean th- these are beasts Nico Saragusa is going to be out there who knows exactly who's going to be starting for them Fred Lauina. Lauina. I mean they've got big 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 massive dudes 
And then the linebacking core is my favorite part of this team. Uh, anchored by Trey Williams and Taiwan Jones, Quinton Gauze there as well, and of course Anthony Johnson, Willie Mays on the edges, Vince. The, the linebackers and I think the offensive line are what stand out for the LA Wildcats, a team that's going to be able to be able to punch you in the mouth on offense, and a team that's really going to be able to hit you hard on defense. Yeah, and, and you, know, you talked about that offensive line, the size there. You talk about how they're looking to use the fullback a lot, but also, you know, this this team even at the wide receiver position to me uh, a very physical team uh, I'm looking specifically at Donis Jennings wide receiver out of Temple uh, this kid is a you know a big bodied wide receiver not afraid to get out there and, and block and put somebody on their keister all right so as we run through these depth these uh, rosters we could now speculate on their depth charts what those might look like uh, it, you know, in any any certain position, Brian, if you want to pick one, I mean, we could only speculate because depth charts aren't out yet. And then also, we gotta we gotta whittle these rosters down to just one word: what what this team's about on paper. So I'll start the LA Wildcats. I'm gonna say hurt. They're out to hurt. This is a team that can hurt you. The physicality, but that translate to pain. This is a team that can hurt you. And I think when we see them out there, we're going to see those edges. The depth chart with Sean Oakman, Willie Mays, and then you've got Kimbo on the edge. This is a defensive line that is also going to be, I think, one of the best in, in the XFL. Uh, I'm gonna. Uh, my word would be DE for defensive ends because right now you have Sean Oakman on one end and then you have Devin Taylor who's no small individual. They brought him in after camp out of South Carolina. Uh, he, he's a massive individual. I'm, I'm excited to see what he could bring uh, to the team. I, I'm really looking forward to looking at this defensive line uh, for the Wildcats. Are, are you speculating at this point that they're going to be playing a 3-4 scheme? Uh, I don't know if it would go 3-4, but with Devin Taylor, Sean Oakman, and and um, Anthony Johnson, I, you can run any type of defense you really want, to be honest with you. That's some speed and that's some size on the edges, for sure. Yeah, I think they're going to be pretty multiple, too, Vince. they got a lot of guys they could rotate in. Interesting, though, defensive rotations are going to be tough to, tough to pull off because of the fast play yeah, clock. Yeah, they do have a lot of guys that are capable, though. What's your one word for the L.A. Wildcats roster? I, I I hate to even give one in 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 fear of offending Bryant. <laughs> How are you gonna offend him? What, what are you gonna say something negative about them? <laughs> I mean, I, go ahead, Vince. Anything you, you say won't offend the me. Way, you never you know the way words could be interpreted. And anything you say won't offend me, Vince. Go ahead. First word that comes to your head. I I I, I don't know. I I don't know. I can't I can't put my finger on this team. Well, yet. I'm offended. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Vince's word is unknown. (laughs) All right. Let's go now to the Houston Roughnecks, the team that the Wildcats will be playing in week one. Break down their final 52 and uh, start with the quarterbacks as we are. PJ, we got PJ, Philip Walker, and Connor Cook, the QBs for June Jones. I say either one of them you throw out there playing for June Jones. They're going to sling it and they're going to be really good. For June Jones, it's all about the wide receivers. You have to look at those. And when you look at Khalil Lewis, Sammy Coates, Cam Phillips, these guys all stood out in camp. They were all picked high, Bryant. Wide receiver is where it's at on this roster. 
it's where we expected it to be, right? Still no tight end on this roster, at least not on the 52-man. Uh, so they're going to roll with four or five wideouts. Allen, we really didn't see that much in Houston from Houston uh, about you know, with with their interesting uh, formations uh, with with wideouts. But that's because they're all playing. You know, that's just um, gamesmanship right there. They're not giving away their hand. Uh, I think this roster molded itself pretty straightforward in terms of the, the offense. The defensive, defensive side, I'll be interested to see what Vince says because, I mean, they're heavy on that linebacker. I mean, heavy in yes, the linebacker they are. position. Yeah, they do have a lot of linebackers there. I mean, and, you know, you need guys that can be multiple, as Alan was talking about. And so it's going to be very important to have guys that could be on the field and, and cover the whole area. Well, that's my one word for this roster, coverage. Because I think you might be see you might be talking about the the best pair of corners on one team in the league on the Houston Roughnecks. Savion Smith, Jene Harris, uh, the corners Vince for this team are legit. I think those guys can cover anybody. Yeah, and yeah, well, yeah, and we, I've been on record saying I think cornerback is going to be one of the most valuable positions uh, in in this whole. Uh, entire league most important most difficult to play uh, and if you got two of the best ones I remember you Alan saying that uh, I think you also gave some high regards to the New York Guardians yep. uh, defensive backs uh, which I guess we'll be getting into a little bit later yep we'll be hitting the Guardians roster in just a minute Bryant you got a word for the Roughnecks roster as a whole I'm going to throw a hyphen in, in between my two words and, it's called, and I'm going to say well drafted uh, they held back 44 of their originally drafted players tied for most uh, in the league with Seattle. Uh, Houston had a game plan. They stuck with it. They enjoyed what they what they have, and now they're going to roll with it through the season. And Vince, what a, what about running back? Bulk of the carries for this team, if, if they run the ball ever. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, uh, Andre Williams running back out of Boston College. I think this kid is a, a very good runner, very capable. Uh, and if this is a, a June Jones run and shoot type team. I, I'm excited to see uh, what this kid can do. There they are, the Houston Roughnecks. The LA Wildcats rosters are set. They take each other on on Saturday night, February 8th, in the second game ever in the XFL. Now let's go to the New York Guardians. You alluded to them, Vince. We'll talk about them. We saw their team in action, and uh, their roster is now finalized. They will, I think, have a solid, solid offensive line. Uh, with uh, getting Damian Mama from the L.A. Wildcats. And also they already had Garrett Brumfield, the former LSU Tiger, who's a pretty damn good interior lineman. And they're going to need to have a strong offensive line because I think they've got two running backs and maybe even more. I mean, from what we saw to Darius Victor, who I didn't really know a whole lot about, honestly, until we saw him at camp, I expected Justin Stockton and Tim Cook to look really good. Because I knew about those guys, but we saw Darius Victor. Those are three legit running backs, and now a uh, uh, revamped offensive line throughout training camp, Bryant. Th- this offense for New York uh, could be pretty formidable. It can. I think there's some holes in there that, that at the quarterback position specifically with Matt McGloin probably going to be taking the helm. Uh, Marquise Williams, though, did look good. Um, we saw the size of this team was kind of um, – not what we saw in St. Louis, I guess you could say. But <laughs> they're not. Yeah, they're uh, not the biggest. I mean, that's everywhere. That's everywhere in the league. They're not right? the biggest team. Just, no, that's for sure. <laughs> they are not the biggest team, but they, they will be well disciplined, and I, I do expect that based on what I've seen uh, from their coaches. Uh, Vince, 
again, another team that seems to be very high, heavy in the linebacker, but we saw their corners and they can cover. Their DBs are phenomenal. Um, I expect a lot of blitzing out of the, the Guardians based on the coverage that their uh, DBs are able to accomplish. You don't think, yeah, I guess, yeah, if you guys are good enough, you're not afraid to put them on islands. Even, even uh, a guy like Dravon Henry, uh, safety out of West Virginia, this kid also has good cover corner skills. I, I might add excellent hips on that kid. Uh, he, he, no, he could play uh, inside in the slot if he has to. He's got the size to play outside. Uh, just a good all-run defensive back. I yeah, I mean, there's legitimate. I'd say four guys, maybe five guys in the defensive backfield for the Guardians, who were all standouts in college, and then playmakers. These guys can, I, I they could honestly be the, be the the best secondary overall uh, on paper and on the field. Uh, come kickoff, the, the the Guardians got a lot going on. And, yeah, we've talked about him. Chris Dishman is their defensive back coach, and I think he's doing a phenomenal job already just seeing how the, those guys were. They basically ran practice for the Guardians. They, they dictated everything. And, uh, yeah, we'll see how the quarterback is interesting because now they do have Luis Perez uh, kind of putting the pressure on Matt McGloin to do well, and he already had Marquise Williams, who I think is capable. You brought him up a lot, Brian. You love him. I think McGloin is because he's more experienced is going to get the first crack but i don't think uh he's going to have too long of a leash under kevin gilbride they're going to need to see some results right away and uh in a in the east that people are going to are saying is going to be dominated by the vipers apparently <laughs> i don't know you gotta you gotta go out there and uh you got you gotta prove something on offense uh if you're gonna have a great defense like this you don't have to do too much if you're matt McGloin. i think we'll see though it's it's all up in the air. Let's go to their opponents for week number one. It is those Tampa Bay Vipers, quarterback by Aaron Murray, and alongside him, you have Taylor Cornelius and Chase Litton, Vince, but Taylor Cornelius, the one guy who I could maybe see starting a game for this team down the road, but how supplanted do you think Aaron Murray is as the QB there in Tampa? I think he's going to be given every and, and all opportunities to be uh, a, a a franchise player. Uh, this kid was a big time, you know, college recruit. People thought the world of this kid, uh, and I think he is really going to show his stuff. Uh, just great arm talent on this kid, and I can't wait to see what he's doing. I'm trying to look at the roster now, though, and figure out why odds makers are saying seven and a half wins. For this team, Aaron Murray was a good college. Florida. Florida. I don't think it's just because they play in Florida either, though. <laughs> I think it's because when you... What, 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 you got to explain yeah, I, don't, I don't know the flo- <laughs> I don't know the Florida connection there, Brian. The Orlando Rage and the Orlando Apollos have done very well in spring football in the last <laughs> two significant folk. spring football leagues. You played Florida. You, Vince, you talk about casual betters. Those are the types of things casual betters think about. No, I... I think they think about players I mean, I don't like know. That's what I would it's why it, it's what I did. They think about players like CC Jefferson, <laughs> they think about players like Jalen Collins. They think about players Casual betters? Yes, they think about players that the like Nick Truesdale, Shantavius Jones, like the playmakers <laughs> that are on rosters and they've got a bunch of them on this team and they got some tall wide receivers and tight ends for well, Mark Tress. Well, I will say I'm I'm very interested to see the the, the tight end you just mentioned, Nick Truesdale, uh, their first-round pick, uh, made the roster as expected, but uh, Coach Trestman talked about him a lot, said he was the best tight end available. So I really see him – I really want to see him ex- excel. 
uh, in this league uh, because there's a there's a big big tight end in Dallas that we're going to get to pretty soon. So I don't know who's going to be better, but uh, Trestman, I think he he's going to run this team as a well well oiled machine. Uh, we talked to Jordan McRae last week, and then we while we were in Houston, and he really discussed you know the mentality that Trestman is instilling in this team. And I'm really excited to see this team perform. Do I think they're going to make over seven and a half? To Alan's point, I don't know if any team is really going to make over seven and a half. Uh, but it's still going to be an exciting football team to watch nonetheless. I have a feeling this might be one of the most disciplined football teams in, in the league, but we'll see. But I have a feeling playing for Mark Tressman and knowing the, the, the offensive line that they have, a, a lot of really smart offensive linemen, starting with Jordan McRae, but also, I mean, you go to Andrew Tiller, Gerald Foster, Martez Ivy, these guys were all uh, pretty damn good in college, at least from what I saw. And uh, you're going to be looking at the Tampa Bay Vipers. I think my word discipline is what, what it's all about for them. They take on the Guardians on Sunday afternoon, February 9th in week one. 52-man uh, now for the Dallas Renegades, who will be at home against St. Louis. Bob Stoops' team, I mean, a lot of good players on this team. Vince, what stands out to you on this roster the most? Uh, I mean... <laughs> I, I, I guess this is the team. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not necessarily as interested in the players, but I am just really interested in, you know, just the scheme that they're going to run. You know, with how Mummy call, uh, pulling the strings on this offense. I, I will say one thing that I'd like to point out, though, is you know everybody's expecting this, you know, in this pass happy offense out of this ball club. But, you know, Oklahoma teams have been able to run the ball extremely well. And Cameron Artis Payne, uh, I'm not sure how much work that this guy is going to get. This guy is a powerful back, Allen, uh, out of the SEC, University of Auburn. Uh, but this guy, you know, if they give him the ball a lot, he could be somebody that just really pounds people uh, down when they're not expecting it. I, I want to say, you know, I don't want to – be a negative uh, Nelly here, but the defensive line I'm looking at it here kind of leaves something to be desired, at least from recognizable and you know what I know about it, the players throughout the league as a football nerd. Vince, I don't know if you could illuminate any of these guys, but their defensive ends, Frank Alexander, Winston Craig, we've had on the show, but I honestly haven't seen too much out of him. He played at Richmond, and then they have Galen Robinson, the defensive end who played at Purdue, edgewise. Not so sure how they're going to look. And then defensive tackles, they only have two on the roster. And Tomasi Lalile and Tony Garrod. I mean, this this defensive line, is it's it's not really uh, one that's packing a whole lot of punch on paper. Well, well I will say this. James Folston, uh, who on this sheet, Bryant, you have listed as an outside linebacker. This kid played defensive end in college. Uh, you know, maybe a little undersized for a... Uh, um, you know, a defensive end in a professional league, but was a defensive end um, in in, uh, in the, at the collegiate level, probably goes around, you know, 240, 250 pounds. And I've said this on the show before, to go back in the archives and listen, this guy's got one of the best bodies in the entire uh, XFL. You know, hardly an ounce of fat on this cat. Uh, and he's ready to just go out there and get after it. So if you're talking about an outside pass rush, look for James Folston. He may not be listed as a defensive end, but he's somebody who could definitely bring a force off the edge. I, I know we, we kind of faded away from this, but if I were to use one word to, to describe this team, it's unbelievable. 
I just yes. can't believe it, right? <laughs> yes. Isn't that a good word? <laughs> well said. Um, th- there is a tight end, Alan, the one that we keep talking about, Donald, Donald Parham, a tight end 6'8", 240 out of Stetson. I don't even know where that school is, but he was making some <laughs> plays out in Houston. You guys know where Stetson is? I don't know where that is. Do you guys I'll, know where that I'll is? I'm going to say it's in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he was making some plays down in Houston, so I'm, I'm really excited to see how um, how Mummy uses his tight end in his um, in his game plan. Uh, Alan, also shout out to the uh, PR team out there in Dallas for giving us annunciations for their team. Finally, Love giving that. us the truth behind Jeff Bedette. Bedette. Oh, it's not Bidet. No, it's Bedette. It's going to be exciting and fun, different. Stetson University. Shout out to Deland, Florida. Is where where Donald <laughs> so Parham not Texas. Yeah. See, you made yourself look worse because I just took I took the high road. I was like, I don't know where this is. I was just you thinking of like Stetson hats, and I don't know. I got I, <laughs> you learn something in the middle of a podcast. Stick to colors, Alan. Stick to colors. All right, let's go to the Dallas Renegades opponents, the St. Louis Battlehawks, and their fifty-two man roster and very tall defense, very tall, and I think one of the best at least from players that I recognize. Vince Casey sails the defensive tackle. You've got Jake Payne, who's going to be wearing double zero at defensive tackle. And then, uh, I mean, that's just so awesome. <laughs> so good. Love it. And then <laughs> linebacker Terrence Garvin will be in the middle of that defense. And, and, of course, the big name everyone's talking about, Kenny Robinson, the safety. Uh, although some some people around the league might ask, might say, who's Kenny Robinson? They're about to learn, I think, come, come February 9th. Well, I'll say this. I know who Kenny Robinson is, but I, it, I, it, to me, it seems like there's a whole lot being made out about this kid. You know, I, I to me, he sounds a little overrated. Whoa! I'm more interested. To, I'm more interested to see Will Hill <laughs> to see what he's got left in the tank. I can't believe he's on the roster here uh, out of Florida. Big, 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 big time recruit from from eons ago. Uh, I, so I'm fascinated to see even if you're talking defensive backs on this ball club. Uh, very, very excited to see. So that. when we have Kenny Robinson on the show, which we're hoping to do, Vince, what are you going to say when uh, he he we let him know that you called him overrated? <laughs> He's got to prove it. <laughs> prove me wrong. Prove you wrong. Innocent until proven guilty is not a thing in in Vince's world. Uh, I will say this, and this was, was an interesting fact that uh, we did way back when, when we talked pre-draft. Uh, will Hill and um, uh, Terrence Garvin were the two were two of the four defensive players that we brought up uh, as as big time players uh, that were going to be available in that draft. And St. Louis ended up with both of them. So I'm very interested to see this defense. We saw the size. I mean, it looked like there, a professional basketball a team out there. Scary. They were tall individuals. They were ready to play. They were doing really well from what we saw in that first half, Alan. I'm, so, I mean, um, Alan, you listed a bunch of guys, but I'll even go a little bit further. You got Dwayne Hendricks, defensive end. You got Will Clark, defensive end. A guy could probably play inside or outside. Uh, there is a lot. Of, this is a This is one tough defense I'll, I'll say that right now maybe the tough i'm gonna i'm gonna say my word for them is tall because they're very tall defense too and they're gonna bat a lot of balls down and yeah i cannot wait to see them in action just the physical presence of those players i'm telling you when you see them st louis Battlehawks fans your defense when they run out there your jaw will hit the floor at the behemoths you got up and down from the defensive line to the secondary, it is quite impressive. Let's go now to our next roster and break down the D.C. Defenders, 
who will be opening up the season February 8th, first game hosting the Seattle Dragons. And I'm really excited, I got to say, about the speed for, of that defensive secondary. Fast, 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 fast. I cannot wait to see fast Doran Grant, fast Bradley Sylvie. I, I can't wait to see fast Desmond Lawrence out there. Fast Elijah Qualls even on the defensive line. Vince, they got some fast guys on the defense. No, no doubt about it. You know, top to bottom here, uh, you know, all three levels. It looks like there's a lot of good, a lot of good speed that you're alluding to, and that's it's going to be extremely important. You know, they have stocked up. It looks like on interior defensive linemen, but all these guys are, are mobile, which is going to be interesting to see. Yeah, I did. I noticed that watching them in the scrimmage, they had a defensive line that was rotating a lot. You know, basically new guys out there. It was a scrimmage for every single uh, possession, uh, but. They were moving. I mean, a lot of stunting, a lot of moving around on that defensive line. That's going to be a, a fun to watch, I think, with the DC defenders. But when you're talking about this roster, you got to you. It, it starts and ends with, I think, a, a three-headed monster, maybe even a four-headed monster of running backs: Donnell Pumphrey, Jarrell Presley, Nick Brosette, who we hardly even saw in the scrimmage. Bryant didn't get a lot of reps, but. I think is really capable. And Khalid Abdullah, I mean, they've got running backs who are not just fast, but I think guys who could all score touchdowns. Well, you're talking about the running back group. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go one step further and say I think there is a great chance that the league MVP comes from this team, depending on how the D.C. defenders do, if they, if they make enough wins. Because from what I saw from Cardell Jones, I don't know if there's a hungrier man in that league uh, proven what he wants to prove. Uh, that he can still play this game. So those three running backs led by Cardell Jones, uh, tossing him some footballs, maybe taking a couple snap runs himself. Uh, Cardell Jones is I'm, – I'm, I'm ecstatic to see what he's going to do uh, with the D.C. defenders this season. The wide receiver in court is also pretty interesting for the D.C. defenders. They did get Rashad Ross, Rocket Ross from the L.A. Wildcats, and they also maintain uh, Tyler Palka, who was a pretty uh, – a favorable target in the scrimmage, at least for Cardell Jones, Malachi Dupree, who could get downfield, and Eli Rogers, Vince, the former Pittsburgh Steeler. Yeah, uh, Eli, good, good slot receiver, uh, in ability to get open, which is going to be so important. Uh, get, establishing some rhythm uh, with with Cardell Jones, and I like what you said about Malachi Dupree. This guy, a, a tremendous speed on on the outside, willing to stretch. Stretch the field. Fast, fast, fast. The DC defenders are trying to do it. I can't, I can't, man, can't keep up with the DC defenders, but they're going to take on the Seattle Dragons. And uh, their roster finalized. They did announce, as we mentioned, Brandon Silvers will be starting at quarterback. And uh, they have, I think, one of the beastliest running backs in Trey Williams, who we did not get to see in the scrimmage. Uh, Bryant, they had a lot of Kenneth Farrow out there. Jaquan Gardler had the Jukies at running back. I think they have three very solid. They almost have like a, a what are they called? A Hydra? Isn't that a three-headed dragon? They've got like a Hydra of, of running backs in Seattle. Hydra. three. I, I, yeah, I don't know about that one. Alan, I'm going to say this, and it's only because I maybe I was so in awe of what I was seeing in front of me, but... The Seattle Dragons really did impress me too much when they were playing in their scrimmage. I, I know that was only preseason. I know some of the starters were sitting out, but it, it seemed. Yes, uh, thank you, Alan, for that Hydra it refers to a three-headed monster. Look at that three-headed that dragon! Isn't that thank cool? Thank you very it? much. <laughs> Instant uh, correctiveness. I Adora. like that. Uh, 
<laughs> I, I don't know, Vince, maybe you can uh, convince me otherwise just based on what you see on paper. Because what I saw physically on the field, uh, the team concerns me a little bit. I'd be a little worried if I was a Seattle Dragons fan. Uh, Seattle, you know, I just don't, I'm not quite sure what they're trying to do. They have five tight ends on this roster. Uh, it, it That just doesn't scream XFL to me. Uh, I'm not saying that there's bad players on this on this team at all. Uh, you know, I, I really like Austin Prohl, uh, wide receiver uh, for the, for these guys. I think he could be an excellent target. Uh, we, we've spoken very highly of Keenan Reynolds, uh, but you know, I'm not quite sure exactly what their you know what their game plan is going to be. It's just hard to decipher this team a little bit. I will say shout out to. Uh, Front of the show, Anthony Johnson out of FIU for making the roster. We had him back on way, honestly, way back way when, before even way before <laughs> back the in draft. the uh, yeah before I yeah, think before, way, I think summer. before the summer showcases yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, but but still, yeah. Again, I don't want to judge everything based on that scrimmage. I don't want to base everything on what I'm seeing on paper. But Seattle, I'm, I'm having a hard time trying to decipher what's going on there. But I'm glad I'm going to get to see them first. Uh, as they battle DC in that opener, yeah, I, I'm I'm going to give you my word for the Seattle Dragons, and that is uh, is run and they do run the ball a lot because I think you're talking about again a team that's got th- multiple guys who are capable of toting the rock, and if they could get a run game going, I think they have explosive playability on the ground uh, that'll make things easier on Brandon Silver's. Um, who I know some people have doubts about and, and wanted to see B.J. Daniels push him and maybe even overtake him. Um, but I think with the ru- the running game, I, they've got – I mean, Kenneth Farrow could do everything, catch and run. Trey Williams is going to run some guys over. And then I, out of nowhere, I had never heard of Jaquan Gardner out of Humboldt State, to be honest. What I saw out of that guy, I mean, he was putting jocks on the floor. So they've got the, a, a capable running game if that offensive line – is you know they're big too. I mean they've got some big SEC Big Ten type talent on on the offensive line. This is a team that's going to I think have to rely on the run. And with all those tight ends, Vince, you got to imagine that's the plan. I I suppose so. Uh, maybe they're going to be using those guys. They may be using those guys at multiple positions. For all we know, um, it, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, how they deploy, what sets they they do. I guess we should assume a lot of twenty one personnel, uh, but we'll we'll find out come uh, come February eighth. Yes, H backs maybe coming out of Seattle. We'll see. But there you have it. The fifty two man rosters are finalized, and we just broke down each teams. Uh, and I, I have a better idea of what these team identities are going to be. I, I mean, superlatives to you know predict. Before the season starts here, I mean, we've, we're going to have our predictions coming up with our, you know, who's going to win the XFL championship. We're going to predict MVP and all of that oh, in the coming oh, weeks. What are you saying Oh, for? I didn't even tell you guys. I saw the original XFL championship trophy at the at the block party. It was pretty cool. Wait. The, Sorry. The original 2001 trophy. The, yes. The original 2001 trophy I saw. In, in, I had it in my, my hands. Um, because I could I could touch it because the LA Extreme won it, you know, so I could actually touch the trophy, and yeah, it was pretty amazing. Oh my! Well, all right, so you're gonna just brag to finish the show. Now I'm really jealous. Well, 
Who's going to win the new trophy is what we're going to get into over the next few weeks as we uh, get closer to kickoff. I mean, next week is going to be insane. But on Thursday, this week's show, we're going to start that process of predicting. And we're going to you know start, start getting into a little bit more of the, the hype because we're just going to be in our last preseason show, really. And it's going to be game week. And uh, we're looking forward to having another good crisp interview on Thursday. So make sure you stay subscribed. Make sure you tell your friends. Make sure you check us out on XFL YouTube, XFL.com. It's going to be a whole lot of fun and insane, really. We're going to be going at a quick DC Defenders-type pace. And and honestly, if we're kind of putting stamps on these teams to start, the most physical team, at least on paper to me, from what we went over today, Vince, the LA Wildcats, the fastest team, at least on paper to me. Actually, it's not the DC Defenders. I'm going to go with the Guardians, and I think we're going to see a very smart team in Tampa. I don't know about you. What did you take from those roster breakdowns? I don't know. You could talk about the fastest. You could talk about the strongest. You could talk about the smartest. Uh, but it, I think it's going to end up being the most versatile. That's going to be uh, uh, the te- team that wins the most in this league. And I don't I don't think we're really going to know that uh, for another several weeks. You know, being the fastest doesn't mean you always play the fastest. So that's always got to play out as well. Uh, Alan, I will say this. We have a lot to predict. I think we're going to get into MVP candidates, uh, defensive player of the year candidates, uh, what we're going to think that each conference uh, win totals, all this stuff in the next few weeks leading up to the season because we've got three episodes to kick off, maybe some small ones here and there, but there's a lot to predict uh, headed into yeah. this inaugural season for the XFL. Hey, I'm I'm very excited to hear your prediction for Rookie of the Year. <laughs> I don't know. Ken, well, Kenny Robinson, that's my prediction. <laughs> um, Most likely to be drafted. Go. That's that's Yeah, that's a good bet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Drafted in what? In the NFL. Come on. Oh. Careful now. <laughs> uh, thank you again to the Wildcats for being so gracious with all their interviews and things and, and what they've provided for us here leading up to kickoff. Yeah, check out those uh, exclusive will... YouTube interviews Bryant did. Yeah, so check those out on the YouTube page, XFL, uh, excuse me, YouTube.com slash XFL slash XFL. Uh, get your tickets. Like I said, I think I misspoke earlier that the first game was going to be in Seattle. It's actually going to be in Dallas. So Dallas, Houston, D.C., and New York. Uh, make sure you get your tickets because you want to be a part of this. I, I know I do, and unfortunately, I have a baby coming, so I'm probably not going to be. Well, you know, it is your fault because you're the one who timed out, you know, when you c- conceived the – I don't want to get into it, but it's your own damn fault, Brian. That's uh, that's you're gonna have to live with it and live vicariously through Vince and I and Jake, who will be in DC week one for the very first game. We cannot wait, but I cannot wait for these next episodes, Vince. Who do you think Jake's gonna pick as his is the team he's gonna root for? That's also coming up. I I, I hate to even speculate on that. You don't, oh. you don't like to speculate at all. That's what we're doing over the next three weeks, man. He needs more data I'm during just, the season. Let I'm him be. Just, I'm get just his... leaving that up to the experts. <laughs> <laughs> You're an expert, Vince. I know you don't like to admit it, but you are an expert. You've been covering this league. You know, we just we just passed the two-year anniversary of Vince McMahon making the announcement this past weekend of the XFL returning. So ever since that day, I would consider you an expert. Just over one week from kickoff. But we're signing off. Until Thursday evening. And we'll see you for the next episode. Make sure you follow us at XFL Show. Make sure you dial in to that XFL fan line if you ever want to leave a voicemail. 724-565-4XFL. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode. 
For Vince, for Bryant, I'm Alan. This is the XFL Show. Remember, they're listening.